Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler, host and founders of the group Bridge the Divide Cedarburg. We hope to provide a forum for discussion and action around racial reconciliation. We seek to identify instances of inequality, foster empathy, and educate others to recognize their part in problems and solutions in Ozaki County and beyond. Hello, welcome back, Bridge Community. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as always, we go dipping into the community to find some uh, some good folks to talk to and get some information from. And I have with me today, Elsie Crawford. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Great. Um, I have worked with Elsie, oh, it's been over a year now, I think, in this program called Repairing Together. And I had never heard of it before. I had never seen anything like it before. So I think that we're going to have to get Elsie uh, to tell us all about Repairing Together. But start out, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in the Netherlands, in Europe. And um, when my husband and I first met, that's where we spent our first seven years of our marriage. He's from uh, Milwaukee. And we decided to come here and have our kid grow up with grandma, grandpa, all the Mm -hmm. aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we came here. He still reminds me, it's your fault that we're living here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he also explained to me that the U.S. is not what I thought it would be. What you get through the news and through books, media, and right. films, and I thought, how bad can it be? Until I got to Milwaukee, and uh, I noticed I was treated differently, mm-hmm. but not because of anything I did, just how I looked. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit white, <laughs> so um, that had a bit of a Stepford effect on me. That mm-hmm. I thought, 
why are you doing that? And on the other hand, <coughs> sorry, when I learned how to work a gas station pump, which is slightly different than in Europe, there was this very nice gentleman who helped me. And afterwards, I thought, oh, it's so simple, stupid blondes. And I just touched him, and he flinched. He was African-American. Uh-huh. And I knew that something had happened mm -hmm. that I wasn't aware of. So I added, oh, those stupid foreigners. And at that moment, he just defrosted us. Oh, you're not from here? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm from Europe. And that, and it became really quite chummy then. So mm -hmm. that was my first uh, week here. And I knew that my husband was right, that things are still pretty different here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I grew up with, um, mind you, all European countries are criminal in nature that they all have blood on their hands with all the 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 traveling that they did and the, the spice trade and the slave trade right. i mean they're all dirty right and some of them dealt with it better than others and we had a very mixed community and i left 12 years ago back then it was still pretty nice not too much racism mm -hmm. that wasn't so much our issue so I grew up with lots of kids from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. uh, we got in trouble together, and that was always fun. I think when you get in trouble together, that's what I tell my children now, then you have trust. Right. Ah. Because you don't rat out on each other, and you know you can depend on each other. Right. So, um, yeah, that's uh, where I come from, okay. basically. And so you've, you found your way to Milwaukee, and, and we always hear about um, the national news how segregated Milwaukee um, appears. And there are pockets of people that I found, because I'm, I'm not from Milwaukee either, um, but we've been here for about 10 years. You know, there are pockets of people that kind of can congregate with each other, but certainly not mixing of people. People kind of, um, it's a big city, there's lots of people, but they don't kind of get together, it seems. And out in the suburbs, we are completely separated and segregated so if you live in a segregated area then it makes sense that your schools are going to be segregated also so tell me about repairing together and how that started well I was in between jobs about three and a half years ago and uh, wondering what I could do next and my husband said what would you like to see changed in the world and I was thinking well who am I as if I could change anything but I said, well, if I could change something, I would like to deal with kids to take away the fear of the other. Mm -hmm. I'm Jewish, mm -hmm. and I have encountered anti-Semitic opinions mm -hmm. and treatment. And first of all, people are really uh, surprised when they learn I'm Jewish because somebody told me once, you're the whitest Jew I've ever seen. Yeah. I said, well, then you should come where I come from and you see more of them. <laughs> but um, I wanted to find out, can I do something to get children connected who don't see each other because of the lines of neighborhoods? Right. And, um, so one day I was asked to come to Milwaukee College Prep, 38th Street campus. I um, helped the Jewish community with kids who come here to do a year of service in the community before they go into the Israeli army. And I was still supervising them. And uh, the head of school of Milwaukee College Prep wanted to have those kids come and speak to her children. Mm -hmm. So I went there and suddenly I blurted out, are you ever interested to have a close connection with a predominantly white school and mm -hmm. do social and environmental action programs together? But the real reason being that they lose the fear of the other, get to know each other. Right. And that 
if they don't like each other, it will be based on character and chemistry, right. but not what you look like right. or come from. Mm-hmm. So she stood up and hugged me and said that she'd been hoping and dreaming of somebody like me to come along. And I said, I'll find the educators. I'll pay for everything. I just need your kids and the time. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh. Oops, uh, I need to find a white school. <laughs> so I went to the Milwaukee Jewish Day School okay. and um, said to the head of school exactly the same story, but vice versa. And she said, yeah, sure. And then I had to find funds. Mm-hmm. And I found a private donor who said, hey, I think that could be neat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an educator. I'm a translator, interpreter, Dutch, Spanish, Spanish, Dutch. There's not a high demand for that here in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's quite odd that people are okay with me doing such a thing. And um, so we got the money uh, squared out. And then I went looking for educators. Uh, the first program we ever did was with eighth grade students. We had 80 students in there from both schools. And we worked with Victory Garden Initiative. Uh, we had the kids sp- spread out in four groups of 20. And Every educator there did something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gretchen Mead was then the director. She explained why urban farming. They had an intern from Ghana who came there to study urban farming so that the kids in his village could stay home longer oh, and nice. go to school. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I want a Native American educator as well. And uh, that took the longest time because they're not out in the open, mm-hmm. if you will, And uh, I found a teacher, and she was willing to come, and she explained the connection of the land of Milwaukee with native tribes Mm -hmm. and came with uh, corn and rice and what it looked like and what tobacco used to look like before we made it into something entirely different. And at the end of the program, the kids were hugging each other, and they said, this was great, and... I thought, wow, that's a hit. <laughs> so for my second program, I went to uh, Pardeep Kalik and Arna Michaelis of uh, Serve to Unite. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked them to scare the living bejeebies out of the kids. And when Arno started talking how he first was a white supremacist right. and that all he hated were Jews and and black people and there the kids were looking at each other like that's That's all of us that's right so it created an instant bond the teachers were crying and i thought i'm either out or in (laughs) (laughs) didn't know if that was a good sign but um then the bruce guadalupe school um approached me and said we know you're in your trial phase because i wanted to have a three-year trial to see what worked what doesn't work work out the kinks right we have evaluations that are being built by somebody who's a researcher for rep around milwaukee okay okay and we gave the eighth grade students an empathy survey at the beginning of the year so um he said i want in i don't care that you're still in your trial phase i said how many kids do you have Uh, Not a few. So we ended up the year after with 134 students. But in that first year, NJDS had slid their seventh grade with the eighth graders just for a numerical value. It's a smaller school. Mm -hmm. And we noticed that with the empathy survey, it had a bigger effect on the seventh graders than on the eighth graders. So I said, give me your young ones. Okay. I want them from K4 all the way through eighth grade so that they have 10 years to grow together doing a few programs per year and by the time they get to high school nothing phases them about somebody of different cultures or backgrounds or looks whatever and they said oh, okay for it it's a bit much and uh, well, we'll try out with second grade between mjds and bruce guadalupe only mcp said we'll first see if those kids are still able to talk after that year okay. and we'll watch it a bit from a distance 
So we started there, and that was amazing. The second graders, they hit it off. They became best friends. Parents were inviting each other for dinner nice. after two programs. And I thought, oh, this might actually work. Right, right. Uh, halfway through year two, the Indian Community School uh, connected with me and said, yeah, we know you're still in your trial phase. And I thought, oh, gosh, here we go again. Because <laughs> this is a 20-hour job for me. So I thought, how many kids? And uh, they wanted in with eighth grade, but also in second grade. And last year I said to them, can we do a trial between just two schools for K-4? MJDS and Indian Community School said, okay, we're, we're game. So we started with K-4. So you're getting younger and younger, which makes sense, right? This is That's how children learn as they grow. They're interacting, and the younger they are, the... You don't have to invent anything right. special. They just play together, play. read books together. They share cultural stories, but it just enters as, okay, yeah, so he's Native, and right. she's Jewish, and... And let's Even go play. It's fine. <laughs> one K-4 student asked, what does it mean to be Jewish? And I thought, oh, really? You don't have anything less complicated than that? <laughs> but they, they were, yeah, the K-5 five students now who've seen each other already for a year. They say, hey, there you are. Yeah, that's my friend, and I know you. And it's so easy. That's nice. And, and that's I so do, nice. I do want to clarify. So we've got... The Milwaukee College Prep, which is primarily African American, mm-hmm. and we have Bruce Guadalupe, which is primarily Latino. Mm-hmm. We've got Milwaukee Jewish Day School, which are primarily white Jews. Yeah, there are a few sprinkles between. But okay, and then the Indian Community School, which has multiple a- tribes. Anybody from any of the tribes can can attend there. So, groups of people where the adults aren't even in proximity with each other where right. where are they hanging out all together where are we meeting all together that doesn't happen so whatever the children are learning we're thinking that the parents are may pick up some stuff too so we've worked our way up to fourth grade now okay and we're up to 450 students oh my goodness <laughs> in another two and a half years we'll be lined up from k4 all the way through eighth and then we'll have around a thousand students wow so um that will be magnificent. Okay. And then we can scale back a bit because eighth grade is still an island there. And I've asked the heads of school, do we want to leave them alone for the time being because it's an awkward age mm-hmm. and to put strangers together, you need to do a lot more icebreakers, team builders, where they all have to touch each other. Oh, oh my. Because <laughs> hands. Don't, don't go overboard. Just hands and do. Well, but even that, when right? you are not even used to being in proximity, can be a big thing. But now, when you touch a person, right. it makes it real. Ah, I like that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and head over to a commercial. We'll be right back. back with Elsie of uh, Repairing Together. And one of the things that um, that our conversation brought to mind was that y- you were not from Milwaukee. You're from outside of Milwaukee. I am not from Cedarburg. I've had um, Heidi, our co-host, who isn't able to be here today. She's not from Cedarburg. A lot of people who are from 
outside of a community can come into the community and see that there are gaps and see that things are not what you expected or um, and and bring that up. But that doesn't always bode well with the community that you're talking about. So when you came in to see, I see some things that are missing and I want to help. What kind of reception did you get from other folks around the community? Did they see the same thing or just think that, you know, you were looking too hard because you were coming from outside of the, the area? Well, I let the people educate me. Uh-huh. Because I'm a foreigner, I stopped working on my accent to make it more American. I thought, I want people to know that I'm not from here. Mm-hmm. So I can ask very awkward questions. <laughs> I can say, I don't know that. That was not how I was raised, what I was taught growing up. Please help me understand. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion? What is your view? So um, in the Netherlands, nobody speaks Dutch in the world. So we, we are obliged to learn more languages. So we speak on average four or five languages. Okay. And that's magnificent if you want to interact with people and let them tell you their story in their own language. Mm -hmm. So I ask people like, for instance, Reggie Jackson, who was kind enough to do a few programs for us. Mm -hmm. He educated me on uh, the situation in Milwaukee and from his point. We had this magnificent story together for two hours and I learned so much. I learned from all my educators. I learned from the heads of school. I learned from the students Mm -hmm. from their stories and I just listen a lot. I'm talking now a lot but I can really (laughs) shut up and listen. So that guided me and um, with the programs for the students, the students give me in their evaluations what they liked, what they didn't like, what they like to see changed. Um, the teachers give me feedback mm-hmm. what they like or would like to see changed. I'm listening to everybody, and since it's me with help of a few friends, mm-hmm. I can tweak. And sometimes in the evaluations of the students, you get a line like, oh, it looks like somebody's listening to us. And yeah, I'm yes. listening to you. Right. I wanted to make it your own because we now notice that teachers are reaching out to each other and want to learn more about each other. Mm-hmm. Parents are more interested. And I thought... You know what? It starts as a little ink drop, but why not make this a whole national movement? Right, right. If a foreigner can do this from nothing in Milwaukee, right, then we can help other schools along the way as well. So right. we're going to write down our curriculum, our plans, and share how we got funding for all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're planning to share that over the next two years with neighboring states who have expressed already an interest. What are you doing exactly? How right. did you do that? Because... The whole of the U.S. is mixed, so everybody can just join in. There could be more cohorts. We can only handle so many students right? because you want it to be meaningful. So the kids need to be in smaller groups together and do things together. We work with local nonprofits like Urban Ecology Center, Arts at Large, First Stage. Those are just means to an end. And once we're all lined up from K-4 through 8th, we can scale it back again and do more in-house mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. then they'll see each other at least four or six times a year and it becomes more natural. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You've given us a couple of examples of what you do. Like you talked about the Urban Ecology Center and you guys have worked in a victory garden before. What other things are a part of your 
curriculum? I mean, are, are there very, very structured things that you do with the older children versus letting the, the little ones play more? How do you do that? Uh, yeah, the little ones get some playtime. And we work with Urban Ecology Center because a lot of kids don't go outside enough. Mm-hmm. So in the first session, we think it's good to for them to run outside, get some ecological education by their educators, which is great. Then I usually bring in another educator who teaches something else. And we've started with all of the programs to also incorporate a Native American educator Mm -hmm. as the normal status, because we noticed that the older children don't have a clue about Native American culture, uh, the land we're on. And the only thing they knew was the Thanksgiving story, which we all know is not the truth, because (laughs) history is written by the victors and not those who uh, were on the receiving end of nastiness. Mm And that's another thing that we want to highlight. We want to bring all of our histories mm-hmm. into the open because it's not being taught in Wisconsin. Right. And to give uh, Black History Month in February, it's very nice, mm-hmm. but there's way more to tell. And besides uh, slavery, civil rights, you also need to focus on what has been accomplished since then. Mm-hmm. What are all the accomplishments, the scientists, the, the strong women? There's so many beautiful stories out right, there right. which are never highlighted. Right. Um, Native Americans, the same thing. They have multiple tribes, so mul- multiple stories. Mm-hmm. But we don't know about it. Uh, the Jewish narrative, the Holocaust is very important to teach. Mm-hmm. But there's not more the to it. Thing. It's not mm-hmm. the only thing. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. same for the Latinas. So we're sharing each other's histories as well. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can also bring that to the forefront mm-hmm. at some point to share with others. I also like that you share space because you don't always hold your gatherings in the same space. You go to each of the different schools so that they can have you call it home turf, but, you know, bring others to your house to show them your house and the things that you're proud of while you're having those discussions. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also with the eighth grade students, we are moving a bit away from the bigger programs to student shadowing days. So we take seven students of one school and seven of another. And those 14 kids go to a partner school for the whole morning, including lunch. They go through the normal sessions of reading, writing, math, whatever they're teaching, Mm -hmm. with their peers in that school. And at first we thought, is this a good try? And we we talked to the students and they said, this is the most amazing because we're Mm one-on-one. And sometimes classes might be a bit boring, but then we will appreciate our own teachers more. Sure. But it it creates a bond better. Uh, They're not up in the forefront, but they're together on their own. And after lunch, they're just big buds. I got a call from a teacher of, um, from the Bruce Guadalupe School last year, and she said that her students went for an informational evening to high school, and they were very apprehensive, didn't know what to expect, kind of scared mm-hmm. to be in the general population, if right, you will. Right. But they saw their friends from Milwaukee College Prep, and they felt at home. We got friends there. We're all good. And she said, thank nice. you for making this possible. Right. I like that. That's good. That's good. Um, the the empathy survey. So that's you mentioned that as one of the things that was kind of a like a pre. Let's think about what you know now before the program starts and how that's evolved. What does that look like? How there how are fifteen d- questions, okay, positive and negatives mm-hmm. that have been uh, 
set together by Dr. Goldfarb, who's a researcher from rep around Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And they get exactly the same 15 questions at the end. Okay. And she interprets that. She's a very smart lady. Mm-hmm. And um, she makes these nice graphs so that we can show to the schools and to the boards, this is what the programs did. This is the effect it had on your students. And this is what the outcome is with the empathy survey. Now, mind you, with eighth grade after one year, it's minuscule, right? right? Well, they don't even speak very many words out in to regular people sometimes too when they're in eighth grade but we had to have some (laughs) measurement tool for that grade as well because with the others we measure it also but through multiple evaluations Mm -hmm. because i think when you get donor advice funds money or foundations or private donors you need to be able to say this is what i spend every dime on and this is what the effect is of the programming so Mm -hmm. that they can decide is this still worth my attention And is this the way I want to go? So for us, it's also important to know what we're doing. We have an advisory board. We have uh, people on it who have PhDs in education. And we have people who are uh, experts on curriculum building Mm -hmm. because slowly we're building our curriculum. Mm -hmm. And uh, nothing is written in stone, though, because we want the teachers and the heads of school to have also a say in what we're doing. And I asked the the heads of schools, I said, well, let's wait until we're caught up to eighth grade. And they said, if you can save us one child, that's worth every every moment and every effort. So I'm glad there was no pressure there. But (laughs) they're so invested. And I'm so honored and humbled that those heads of schools and the teachers, that they have that faith in what we're doing. Right. How... How are you able to integrate what's happening in current events? I mean, do you, do your children, especially the eighth graders, so, you know, they have some harder things that are happening to them and around them maybe than the little ones do. Do they have any chance to talk about some of those hard things with their friends if, if there's some? We have um, usually the first session uh, at the beginning of the calendar year is our social justice session. Okay. And we work with Judge Derek Mosley, who's a... Okay. Uh, very sweet that he still comes to us to talk with the children. He talks about the justice system. They can ask him any question they want. And we've worked with uh, State Representative Jocasta Zamaripa, who also came, and with a civil rights lawyer, so that the kids can ask questions. We say, what do you want your neighborhood to look like? Mm. What needs to change for you to get there, to have that vision of your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. How can we all, as our friends and allies, help you get there? Right. And um, then they think with these people who are professionals in Milwaukee and give off their time to explain to the kids how it works and what they can do and that they have more power than they think they have. Right. Because I always say to them, you're just a few years younger than those in the civil rights movement. And look what they did, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is goosebumpy. Right, 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 right. That's good. That'll work. Okay, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. We're back again. We've been learning from um, Elsie how 
how just giving children time together, sometimes structured, sometimes unstructured, but giving space, giving time to get to know one another um, as people instead of what we see on the news or what um, what bad stereotype you've heard about the other. And, and I really enjoy thinking about what this could look like in the future. It's only three and a half years in. Uh, tell me what, what you hope to see for repairing together itself. What you hope to see, um, what you hope to see happen for. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot the last few weeks. And when all the kids are lined up from K4 through 8th, we're sort of building a community. We're engaging the teachers, the heads of schools, hoping to affect the parents. I would love in a year or two, I hope I'm not scaring anybody off my advisory board, but <laughs> to have summer camp opportunities for those in lower school because they live on opposite sides mm -hmm. of the city. And some kids, a lot of them actually, don't have the financial means. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at Camp Kindred, who just started a few years ago with combining kids from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I'm in touch with them, and I say, well, when you've worked out all the kinks, come back to me, because then maybe we can find a foundation or donors who can help support us so that the kids could meet each other for a week in summer. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. Nothing structured. Just play and being normal kids together, like we used to play on the streets. Yeah, I, well, I like the fact that you're talking about camp, because I think that even friends that I have don't realize, if you've grown up in the suburbs or you've grown up um, with families that could afford to do all these extra things, that those of us who grew up in the inner city, there wasn't a camp. Well, you know, when you went to camp, who went to camp? No, I didn't go to camp. Or, you know, you're outside playing outside. Outside wasn't a safe place. You were mostly inside. Outside, you don't just roam around outside. And and that is a part of the education that intentional, maybe unintentional, they don't get it that you're when you're together with different backgrounds that you learn these things about each other and you don't always assume, well, of course you had swim lessons at camp, right? Didn't you go to the lake? go to a lake well what about your family's cabin we don't have a cabin you know and people just don't think about those kind of things so I like that that having the the connection with the kids that they can know that you can be friends with someone who didn't do all the same things you guys can have different memories together and not assuming that everybody had the same um, the same resources the same activities that you had when you were growing up yeah exactly so that's one of the things that I'm thinking about and also I would like to formalize a bit more how we share our histories. I would love for our sixth graders to think, what do you know about Native Americans or what do you know about Latinos? And this can be all without names on it, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that it can be uh, free-flowing. And then fill in those gaps, mm -hmm. what they don't know, so that we can help understand more where we're coming from and... Yeah, like I said. Not I, I, only on a special day or not on a special month or no. not for a special program, just all the time. And I would love to explain to other other teachers and schools how we can set up more cohorts, how mm -hmm. we can work more together. Um, I think sometimes you hear about people uh, also within the African-American community 
I'm tired of educating the white. Yes, ma'am. And I can understand that. <laughs> mm-hmm. As a Jew, sometimes, you know, oh, gosh, there's the Holocaust again. <laughs> no offense, but we are the keepers of our history. Right. And if we want the truth to be out there, we better buckle up again and explain to them what our truths are, right. how we want people to know about us. Right, right. And um, I think that that's the most important thing, to have an extra dose of patience and go at it again. Right, and it it, it does get really exhausting, but I I would rather, like you said, buckle up and and give you the truth instead of you coming across with an untruth. Because I think education (laughs) is everything. Yeah. When people are not inclusive, I don't think it's because they're bad people. Mm -hmm. They just don't know. Mm -hmm. And we first have to give them all the chance to know mm-hmm. and then make up their mind. Right. And, and that's what you see with the kids. It's not really that hard. It's not brain surgery. Mm-hmm. They, they figure it out mostly themselves. They hardly need me. They right. just need me to put them together with their teachers. Uh-huh. And when we work together with other nonprofits in town, we ask the teachers, what are you teaching right at this moment? Is there any subject that needs to be incorporated? Because the subject doesn't really matter. Right. That's true. So if there's anything that helps you along will put that front and center, but Mm -hmm. then they have all the icebreakers, team builders, art projects within that. Uh, We did a whole session on paper making and making a little toy that was Native American. Okay. And some of the eighth grade students taught that to the second graders of all the schools, which was amazing. I would love to have book buddies Mm -hmm. uh, cross schools. I mean, imagine those little kids going to MCP and having their, their book buddy in 7th or 8th grade, whom they revere and they look really up do, to. Right. They become <laughs> heroes. And um, there, there are other programs like that. We switch teachers, too. We swap teachers. When that's uh, Black History Month, mm-hmm. we invite a teacher from MCP to teach civil rights uh-huh. at MJDS. Or uh, if there's a topic on Holocaust, we send out one of our teachers to Bruce Guadalupe. Right, or, right. That's easy. Right. And for the teachers, it's nice to see the other schools and how they work, and they get more questions from the teachers there. So right. it's just we're finding as many ways to cross each other's mm-hmm. paths as possible without becoming obnoxious. Well, but but your focus right now is, is K through 8. Mm-hmm. So what happens to the 8th graders who have had several years of this and then they're kind of split off and don't have a... What, what do you see happening with them once once they hit high school? Well, the problem is that in high school you cannot dictate that they have to continue that. Uh-huh. We have been talking together with uh, Pardeep and Arno of Surf to Unite. We've mm-hmm. talked at Sherwood High School, for instance, what they can do mm-hmm. to offer students the choice to have lunch programs. I know that in Florida they had a program, Don't Eat By Yourself. It had a different name, but uh, that now escapes me that you would get a new kid and join them for lunch, Mm -hmm. and you can have lunch conversations. There are lunches that could be sponsored through local organizations to talk about diversity or what you want to happen, have happen in your neighborhood, Mm -hmm. what you want to change. Or There's so many things that are both just uh, discussion-type programs or really hands-on that you, you go and you clean up a park and you do things together mm-hmm. to just connect the kids again mm-hmm. but it has to come from the students themselves so then we encourage heads of school look at what 
is out there already. You mm -hmm. don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just right. have one person right. come in who has a nice way of talking and interacting with students. Right, right. And then it's up to the students, is this our cup of tea or not? And we've had um, um, Arno and Pardeep come out to speak at, um, I think they came out to MATC. But Arno's story is such a powerful story. And he went to high school out here. He was at Homestead High School in Mequon. And, and to be able to say from his point of view, this is what can happen and how things can go when you don't talk about it, when you can't connect and learn about other people. You create these ugly stories and this fear of other people that unchecked, it just kind of grows and grows into, you know, a big ugly thing. And how was he brought out of it? By connecting person to person with right. an African-American lady right. and a Jewish boss. Right. The people that he hated the most help him snap out of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or maybe that's not the right way of phrasing it. But So I think that if that can work for a former white supremacist who right. now is a fighter for peace, right. imagine what it could do to all our students of all ages right, right. who don't have that innate bias yet. It's mm -hmm, just... Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, tell me what our, well, tell our, our listeners in our communities here where, where our station is is um, sending out this podcast, if they want to support Repairing Together um, financially or if they want to get more information about it, where can they go to read up on it or find out how to donate? Um, I have a website, repairingtogether.com, okay. or they can call the Milwaukee Jewish Day School and uh, we can talk. Okay. We'll make sure to add some things to the show notes, even if you have um, other thoughts or other um, other folks that you'd like to link people to. We can add those things to the show notes. And tell me, I guess, to kind of wrap us up here out in the suburbs, because this is where I am. This is my backyard. Without an official formal program like Repairing Together, what kind of things can our parents do in our community for the kids that are here that, again, don't have proximity to people who look different than them, that people who believe differently than them? How, what can we do out here to help kind of get them on a path of interacting with, with other people as opposed to an, an isolationist kind of that is thought. more of a problem, and it needs to be more of a concerted effort by parents and teachers then, and uh, it takes a bit more of an effort. Yeah. But they could start as with the young ones, with the library, with children's books mm -hmm. who are with different uh, protagonists right. and that look different. So I've already seen in the library in Cedarburg that they have a nice collection, yes. and that's close to home. They can mm -hmm. ask their schools to incorporate that more. Mm -hmm. um, Milwaukee Jewish Day School is in Whitefish Bay, which mm -hmm. is also not renowned for its uh, diverse population. Mm -hmm. But they invite students from Cardinal Stretch to come in. They uh, connect with a high school from uh, Riverside, for instance. They have students come in. They interact with refugees. You could have... Um, Refugees come into the school, tell about their story, mm -hmm. where they came from, what their culture looks like, which kids find extremely interesting. Right, right. You could have Especially before they've learned that it's a bad story or it's an ugly story. They haven't learned that yet. That's something that's taught and they pick up. So how great to have them listen and learn and, and enjoy have, that. You can have a uh, school class come in from a different school. You have a great Hmong school here, too, in the mm -hmm. region. Mm -hmm. You could have... Um, a discussion 
in the older grades about religion or culture. You could have somebody from the Salam school come in, talk about Islam mm -hmm. and how does that connect to Christianity, mm -hmm. Judaism, uh, talk about him. It, it, you just need to find, it's not, the will needs to be there. Right. It's right. not so hard. It just takes a few phone calls and a little bit of persistence, but right. it can be done. And right. if the will is there, any school could just do those little things, those little nuggets that will already start to change people's opinion. Right, right. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And um, we hope to hear from you soon as Repairing Together grows and just has it gets more eyes on it and see about the, the great work you've done. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and any program ideas. Spoken Word Artist Propaganda states, we need to consider the waters we swim in. Maybe it's not toxic to me, but it's toxic to my neighbor. And if it's toxic to my neighbor, it's probably toxic to me too. Let's breathe better water. Contact us on our website at www.bridgethedivide.life. You can email us, info at bridgethedivide.life, or reach us on social media. Facebook is Bridge the Divide Community, and on Instagram, it's Bridge the Divide Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.